0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the VoRIs IP VIP podcast. My name is Jeremy Harrison, and I will be your host for this episode. Our topic today is patent marking. It's something that most patent owners don't think about until their patent issues, but could have brought effects if not done properly or not done at all. I've invited Cal Shami of Vorys Washington DC office onto the podcast to discuss patent marking and also to provide us guidance when it comes to putting potential infringers on notice via patent marking. And now here's my conversation with Cal. I'm pleased to have with me today Cal Shami who is a partner in the Voorhees Washington DC office in a previous life. Cal was a patent examiner at the U.S. Patent Office and he also spent about 20 years in Silicon Valley counseling tech companies regarding their IP portfolios. Cal's technical expertise covers a broad spectrum of electrical engineering, computer-based technologies. It includes software, hardware, networking, cloud storage, computing, memory devices, electro-optics, imaging, medical devices, and, and many more. Cal has a degree in electrical engineering from the University of Maryland, and he also received a law degree from the Southwestern University School of Law. Cal, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. It's good to be here.
0: All right, our topic today is patent marking, and that's something inventors don't worry about typically until they actually have an an actual patent to enforce. And in fact, I've worked with some inventors who um, don't even know what patent marking is, which is why I've asked you, Cal, to come uh, come on the podcast today and to discuss this. So I assume you are poised to give us an overview of patent marking and also to provide some tips and some advice when it comes to proper or improper patent marking. So with that, let's get into it. Cal, for the benefit of those who are largely unfamiliar with patent marking, and for those of us that might need a refresher, what is patent marking?
1: Well, patent marking means marking a product that you're manufacturing with relevant U.S. patent numbers that cover that product in commerce. Okay.
0: So my typical example of patent marking is when I go to the gym, I pick up a dumbbell and on the inner surface of the dumbbell, there's always these numbers. And before I was a patent attorney, I always wonder what those numbers are. And I'm kind of a nerd about it now. So I actually will check those numbers now and realize some are still valid. Some have been, you know, have been expired for years, but that's what it is. On, on products, you pick it up and you see this number on there. You're like what? But those that know patents know that that is a patent marking. And um, we're going to get into what that means. So what, what exactly is the purpose of patent marking? And is is it even required?
1: Uh, No, to answer your question, it's not required, but it can have significant monetary consequences uh, for the patent owner. It actually, it gives infringers what's called constructive notice that you have a patent on this product. So let me use an example. Let's say you started manufacturing these dumbbells or, or a different product 10 years ago. And about Seven years ago, somebody came up with the idea or copied you, whether on purpose or not, and they started manufacturing a product that's covered by by the patent that, that you are marking your product with. Three years ago, you realized, hey, wait a minute. These guys have been manufacturing the same product. I have a patent on this product, and I've marked my product with that patent number. So you write them a letter three years ago. You wrote them a letter. You said, hey, you guys, I have a patent on this and you guys need to come to the table and negotiate with with me. I'm willing to give you a license, but we need to work out some terms because you're infringing. Well, they ignore you, and this goes to litigation. You file a lawsuit, and you sue them, and you prevail. You win. The court decides, yeah, these guys really are infringing your patent, and now let's determine the damages. How much do they owe you for having infringed your patent over the course of these six years or whatever? I'm sorry, I forgot the example. So if you have been marking your patent all along, then the court will determine that they had constructive notice of your patent and the court will um, calculate the damages from the first day they started manufacturing their product because it was infringing from the first day. And that's, as you can appreciate, that's a much longer time than the time of having given them actual notice when you wrote that letter three years ago and said, hey, you guys need to come to the table. If you had not been marking your product, then the damages calculation begins at the three-year mark when you actually gave them notice. In fact, because you had been marking it, they are imputed with what's called constructive notice, and um, the damage calculation goes much further back. So, as you can imagine, this is a significant amount of of money uh, over the course of of the infringement period.
0: Yeah. So, even if a a potential infringer doesn't um, doesn't actually know that this is a patented product, as long as it's marked on there, they have under the legal standard of construction or constructive notice, they can be held liable back to the first day that they started manufacturing their their product.
1: That's exactly right. It's uh it's called as you as you mentioned, constructive notice. Yeah and it it's not an actual notice, but it's constructive notice and it's just as effective.
0: All right. So so Cal, you talked about a reduction in monetary damages um, as one of the results of not marking your product. What are some of the other consequences of failing to mark your patented article or or to do so improperly?
1: Well, failure to market as we mentioned is you can lose a significant amount of, of money if you did it improperly or if you didn't do it at all you want to make sure that you're you're properly marking the product because if you're not properly marking the product then you can be subject to liability for false marking if it can be proven that you've inflicted what's called competitive injury in a civil lawsuit and to prove that you had deceptive intent to to deceive the other party and you can also for false marking you can also be fined up to $500 per article by, by the government And as you can imagine, that can really add up. Now, I'll bring up a case called the Solo Cup case uh, where the defendant was accused of that that they marked with expired patents. Now, yeah, so every, everybody's
0: familiar with these cups, right? I mean, all of us have been to parties. We have sleeves of these cups. They come in, you know, packages of 50. And so th- this case, if I recall, right, it had an expired number on there. But uh, I, if I recall correctly, Solo Cup didn't know that it was expired, right?
1: Yeah, they didn't know it was expired. And so what happened was, they got fined $500 for every solo cup that they they manufactured. And you can imagine, these are huge numbers. And that was because they had printed um, expired patent numbers. Now, this prompted Congress and this prompted changes in the law so that expired patents are no longer considered to to fall under the rubric of false marking. Mm-hmm. So you have to be careful. You, you want to make sure that the, the patents cover the product. You want to make sure that, that you're not using patent numbers th- they're not that applicable are correct,
0: to that, pa- that that product that
1: are, yeah you, right exactly you want to make sure that you're marking it with you have consent of the patent owner the the markings are with the consent of the patent owner on, on the product and um you, you want to also you don't want to put patent pending on a product when in fact there is no patent pending so you, you want to make sure that's accurate too
0: right so you mentioned consent of the patent owner what what's that scenario here are, are we talking about licensees
1: uh, correct. Um, and we can get into the licensees later, but licensees should not be putting patent pending on on something unless they have in their contract or in their license agreement that the, the consent of, of the licensor.
0: Right. But can a patent owner put the words patent pending on a product even if they have an application pending? Is that that's that's. Uh, that's yes, that's correct, right? Yes,
1: that is correct and that can also have some implications for uh, monetary damages uh, down the line because that does have some uh, notice uh, function.
0: Right, but what we're trying to um, avoid is when somebody deceptively puts the words patent pending on a product when they know for a fact there's nothing pending on it, they just want the words on there and maybe to gain market share or gain investor interest.
1: That's improper and that should not be done.
0: Alright, well let's switch gears and let's talk about exactly how to mark products. Can you give me some examples how to properly mark products that we have?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's simple. You really want to put the word patent or the abbreviation PAT period and then you want to put the, 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 the patent number. Uh, or patent numbers if there's multiple patents that cover that product. But you want to make sure that it's very visible and it's not concealed. And you want to do it on substantially all of the, all of the products that are, that are patented. It can't be 20% or 50% or even 90%. You want to cover you want to mark all the products that are covered by that
0: patent. Right, Just to be clear though, all the products meaning that the iterations of the product, again, solo cup case, solo cup case, we want to make sure that every cup is patented or has that marking on that cup.
1: That right. is correct.
0: That is correct. Right. All right. W- which kind of leads me into my next question. Then, what about you? Know, what about patents that you don't have a physical surface to mark on? What's your advice in marking a patented method or a patented process that has no physical surface?
1: Right. Uh, You know, sometimes it's a tiny little computer chip, or sometimes it's a component that's going to be subject to wear and exposure, and it just wouldn't make sense physically to to put or to print the patent number or to engrave it on it. In that situation, that's a special situation, and you are allowed to instead put it on the packaging or on the labeling of of the product.
0: Yeah. So, I've got... You know, I've worked with clients that manufacture drill bits, for example. That definitely is, there is no surface on a drill bit, to my understanding, that is not subject to wear down hole. So you'd wear off a patent, you know, even an engraved thing. So there, it would be more appropriate to put it on, you know, packaging or maybe a uh, uh, customer order, things, things like that. Right.
1: Or maybe, I, I don't want to speak for your client, I don't know the the product, but maybe at the at the end that goes inside the drill, That's not subject to the where you might want to do that, but if that's not practicable, then absolutely you want to put it on the packaging, or you want to put it on the on the instructions or or label.
0: Okay. So how about? You know, holding in my hand right here, my iPhone that has 700 patents or, you know, I don't know how many they have. They have hundreds. Um, and it's just not it's just not for real estate purposes, not feasible to mark them all on the iPhone or the even the packaging itself. What do you do in that in that situation? And and uh, I'm kind of leading you down the path of virtual patent marking here.
1: Right, right, right. That, well, that, that's a great expedient that's available. And w- another option to do that is to actually put the word patent and then put a website um where somebody can navigate to and when they get to that web page then they can you can have a listing of all the patents like in the iphone what did you say 700 maybe or more you can list them all on a website and and real estate is not a concern and the the advantage of that of course is when patents expire you can take them off the web page when when new patents are issued that's that cover the product as well you can you can add those to the website so it, it takes care of it it makes it a dynamic situation that you can update
0: yeah I yeah I, I can imagine with some products that have multiple patents that may be the best way to do it instead yeah, of having one, changing one tooling and things
1: is, uh, I'm sorry a caveat for that is the the website cannot be behind a paywall it has to be free access
0: oh yeah. I was just mentioning, it maybe certainly would be easier. Uh, so, because in a lot of cases, to be able to print them on the product packaging or on the product themselves, you need to, you know, adjust tooling, adjust your manufacturing processes. So, having something that you can update on a website, just a, a bank of of uh, information, would be a lot a lot easier. All right. Well, um, we're coming up about on the end of our uh, time here, but I did want one last question with you and I uh, wanted to get your advice on a patent marking program or a policy. Um, uh, we had typically advise clients and, and uh, inventors to come up with some sort of a, a program or policy about patent marking. What, what's your general advice for that? And if they already have one, uh, what should they make sure that's included in that policy or program?
1: OK, you want to make sure that the program uh, routinely reviews and updates patent markings on all your products, and uh, you want to make sure that the patents cover the product. There's no expired patents and um, new patents are added, and you can use the, the labeling and, and packaging for the marking if that's necessary. And you want to make you want your program to maintain records of how the products were marked in case there's a legal action later. That becomes important, and and you want to have a routine audit program in place to monitor and update the the patent marking, and this may help to demonstrate that there's no deceptive intent because that's important, and you you want to make sure you review your licenses with it with the licensees and contractors to make sure that they're mandated to mark the products as well because of the monetary consequences.
0: Yeah. So in that routine audit program, I would imagine that you would probably go back and uh, just ensure you know, look, take a look at the products, your licensees and your, your contract manufacturers, what they are actually producing to make sure that that's um, accurate and, um, you know, keep them in the in the loop. They probably go back to the terms of their agreement. Hopefully it is in their agreement that um, they would have to keep that updated. Yeah. All right. All right, Cal. Well, that's been very beneficial, very helpful. I've remembered a lot of stuff about patent marking that I, I'd forgotten in the past, and and uh, hopefully our listeners have gained uh, further information. Um, Cal, I assume if you are open to uh, questions that they can contact you and find you through the website, correct? Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, Jamie.